What ho cats and kittens, and the very warmest of warm welcomes to Discontent Provider, the show that has done all that can reasonably be expected to accommodate you and keep you safe. And if you don't like it, why don't you fuck off back to Nothing Rhymes With Purple? See if Susie and Giles will treat you any better, eh? Aye, hey up. And similar bluff, no-nonsense ejaculations, favoured by bluff, no-nonsense individuals who never miss an opportunity to bluffly and no-nonsensely hammer home just how bluff and no-nonsense they are. And why not? There's much to be admired about men, and of course women, of action. Decisive, forthright cats and kittens who have no truck with the enervated niceties of a desiccated and effete bourgeois sensibility that as often as not, serves only as a mask, a flimsy, obfuscatory facade, if you will, for a hidden world of ugly resentments and repressed emotions that all too often huddled up for so dashed long they're apt to manifest themselves in any number of ways too beastly to contemplate. Anything from sudden unwarranted abuse of a complete stranger to three decades of meticulously planned serial murders with a high probability of people's reproductive organs being used as novelty paperweights. No, we all have our ways of negotiating this wicked, weary world, do we not? And neither Arkham, the world's greatest lurcher, nor yours truly, would hold a lack of polish against anyone. A rough diamond still shines, eh what? On the other hand, when that sort of frankness and fearlessness degenerates into mere thuggish fuckstumpery, we are wont to raise an eyebrow or two, and perhaps venture the mildest of rebukes. Sir, you forget yourself and you're coming off like a thoroughgoing cunt and all. You know, that sort of thing. Frankly, Arkham does it a lot better than I do. He's got an air of aristocratic hauteur that betokens genuine breeding, uh, as opposed to a few vocal affectations picked up during jackdaw meanderings through the fiction of Saki and Woodhouse during uh, teenage years, which is more or less I'm bringing to the table, other than a big hat and a uh, superhuman gift for playing the harmonica. While it would have been remiss of us not to mention Lee Anderson's spectacularly unstatesmanlike response to some asylum seekers' objection to being billeted on the government's new flagship prison hulk, the Bibby Stockholm, and a name surely chosen as a deterrent, eh what? Ridiculous beyond words, I mean to say. Uh, I, I don't really intend to spend a good deal of time on the bloke this week. He is what he is. A transparent attempt to reassure the erstwhile Red Wall voters that there is room in the Conservative Party for a tough-as-nails, rugged, working man with nobbit common sense between his ears and whippet shit under his fingernails. Doubtless, he... He serves some function as the party's deputy chairman, beyond uh, displaying a lack of diplomatic savoir-faire that would mantle the cheek of a 9th century Viking berserker with the blush of shame. Uh, perhaps he's used as a sort of bogeyman to keep potentially fractious Tories in line. If you don't watch yourself, old boy, we'll send Anderson round. He'll slurp his tea at you out of the saucer and shed working class all over the Axminster. Something like that, maybe? I don't know. But essentially, he's, to use the cant of the gamer, the tank of the outfit. A big, burly and ultimately disposable bruiser used to take damage and draw fire from the officer class in the Tories' ongoing culture war. Certainly, he's not going anywhere soon. With the backing of the Cabinet Secretary, the Secretary for Immigration, the Chancellor and apparently Number 10, 30p Lee seems safe for the foreseeable future. Now... 
Whether this is due to an ideological lurch towards the basest form of rank populism is debatable. On one hand, it's certainly something that one can't put past the government at the moment. Demonising, othering and generally acting like the most fearful shite hawks when it comes to marginalised or vulnerable groups has always been a handy technique when it comes to rallying the troops during hard times, so I absolutely wouldn't rule it out. Having said that, the idea of the ethically moribund shower of chances, spibs and frauds that are currently running the show doing anything for ideological reasons does rather force a wry chuckle from even the stoniest of lips, do it not. The closest thing they seem to have to a philosophy of late is a, a desire to cling to power by any means at their disposal and an almost pathological pragmatism when it comes to doing so. The last thing Mr Sunak actually wants is another by-election. We see it with his refusal to uh, do anything about Nadine Doris, uh, despite her having not turned up to the House in about a year, and her resignation, quote, with immediate effect, unquote, now having been going on for some three months. I don't know. Maybe she can't find any cardboard boxes. That's always the biggest bugbear about clearing out for a big move, I find. Uh, uh, but And we're seeing it now with Mr Anderson. Sacking the chap would almost certainly lead to the Tories losing another seat. So why bother? Oh, the cat's a downright liability, and his leaden attempts at getting in touch with voters are hysterically funny in all the wrong ways I'll, actually I don't know whether you've seen it I, I will include a link in this week's show notes for the benefit of anyone who hasn't uh, a beautiful uh, clip of uh, the lad smoothly cruising his way through a tight five on GB News but what of all that he's in and every warm body on their side of the dispatch box is invaluable at the moment all the nibs, poles and omens seem to unanimously agree that the public will give them their marching orders in no uncertain terms at the next election. So they are, to borrow a phrase from Mr Stan Ridgway's seminal Vietnam, Vietnam War ghost story song, Camouflage, dug in scared while counting down their fate. To all intents and purposes, they're a government that che has checked out and is just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Or maybe even for the simple, intoxicating lark of seeing just how miserable and frightened they can make people feel. Well, doubtless you've experienced something of the sort yourselves, cats and kittens. I, I know I have. A social situation goes awry, possibly through some minor indiscretion on your part, to which nobody but the most delicate could possibly object, and uh, when it becomes apparent that there's no earthly way of turning the situation around, you decide to burn any available bridges and storm out in a magnificent, coruscating display of malice and spite. As I say, it can happen to anyone, and uh, it's in no way a circumstance limited to the maladjusted or socially inept. No, it isn't. The trouble is, some of the poop they're projecting is sticking, at least with a very loud and, let us not palter with the truth, fairly revolting section of the population. Governmental rhetoric about lefty lawyers, or the urgent necessity to leave the European Convention on Human Rights, are becoming disturbingly common talking points on social media. All this when coupled with the perennial howling about woke people doing woke things and woke, woke, wokery, wokely, wokefully woke are undoubtedly of concern, I think it's fair to say. But do they genuinely constitute a mainstreaming of far-right neo-fascist politics? Now, obviously, 
one can't afford to take too broad a view of something like this. And it is as well to err on the side of caution. Otherwise, one runs the risk of strolling blithely off the edge of a cliff like Wiley e. Coyote, then looking down to see that one is not only standing on the thinnest of thin air, but that the yawning abyss beneath one's frantically pedalling feet is filled with 21st century Nazis queuing up to polish Jacob Rees Mogg's taint and guffawing proudly at how they've avoided being enslaved by soulless elitists. Having said all that, I'm not convinced that, for all their sincerity and commitment to the cause of fascism, and my gosh and giddy gun drops, but those people can churn out memes and cut and paste their would-be furious soundbites at lightning speed, can they not? Uh, I would not say that they're as numerous as they might have us believe. One notable own goal they frequently score is to refer themselves as being part of the silent majority. This, on its face, is laughable twaddle. While the term might once have had meaning, it's now merely a distant echo of a pre-digital age, cited by anti-progressives who still yearn for the days when they could believe themselves to be part of some gestalt entity that would one day, perhaps alerted by a string of signal fires being lit the length and breadth of the land, vault on themselves into an unstoppable political force who would, ah well, take your pick really, reclaim the empire, Travel back in time to stop Edward marrying Mrs. Simpson, or declare the war uh, result of the 1966 World Cup as the be-all and end-all of sport history and end the tournament forever on a happy note. Just consider what an arduous business, by today's standards at least, it was to express yourself politically in a public forum. Back then, about your only option was to write to the paper, a process which involved digging out the Lion Brand notepaper, writing a letter by hand, failing to find an envelope, then finding an old one and put, uh, having to cross out the original address, realising that you've run out of stamps, going to the post office, which was closed because it was Wednesday afternoon, and sticking it all into a post box and waiting, waiting, waiting to see if your strident, Dear Sir, I write to bring your attention to had made it into the hallowed pages of the Bradford Telegraph and Argus. Few could sustain their level of intensity throughout that interminable rigmarole, so quite often would-be political commentators would pack it in before they even got to the point of realising that they didn't know how to spell inconscionable. Either that, or it would dawn upon them that the poor bastard whose wrongful conviction for murder they were going to write about would have been hanged and slipped into a quicklime overcoat long before their missive reached the relevant party. Now, however, one's most ill-thought-out or half-baked notions can be hurled into the cyber sewer in a matter of moments, which rather leads one to believe that there simply isn't a silent majority anymore. With approximately 97.3% of the UK's population now having internet access, and I'll wager you'll never guess how I find that out, uh, if somebody is feeling terrifically moved by an issue, there's simply no need to be. One might almost say there's no excuse for being silent. Those that are not engaging with some sort of political chat simply don't care enough to, and would rather use the web for nice things, like buying things, furthering their erotic development, or enjoying the opiate-like bliss of getting nostalgic by watching old episodes of The Trap Door and reliving a simpler time in their lives. 
Given the fact that our election turnouts rarely crack the 60% ceiling, to say nothing of the fact that uh, one gets used to the same few hundred names and avatars dominating a lot of news and social media sites' comment section, uh, I think it's fair to say that if there is a majority, it simply isn't one that is all that enamoured with the extreme right wing. The risible posturing and persistent electoral failings of semi-fringe outfits like the Reform Party, Reclaim UK and the increasingly irrelevant shambles of post-Farage UKIP, to say nothing of Britain First and the EDL barely being able to uh, ever field a candidate, is further evidence that public appetite for such views is no more rapacious than it is for hard Maoism. None of which, of course, is cause for complacency. One only has to recall the uh, EU referendum result to know that. Uh, Dame Fortune can still pull some fairly ghoulish tricks. But uh, at the same time, if you're genuinely interested in changing minds, in actively and constructively engaging with people, uh, on or offline, I think it's best to avoid excessive panicky hysteria or hyperbole. And, uh, and, and don't call people thick racist cunts either. If somebody is a thick racist cunt, calling their attention to it, at least as an opening gambit, is unlikely to endear you to them or to strike them with an unquenchable thirst for more of your wisdom. Should we point out that leaving the ECHR would have an adverse effect on all our lives and that no single political party should be allowed to define the rights of millions of citizens on a whim, either their own or of their backers? Uh, oh, absolutely we should, podcast pals, every chance one gets. But not perhaps in tones that suggest that one might be howling from the Stygian depth of some conspiracy theory rabbit hole. Well, if nothing else, those with rightish leanings feel, quite rightly, that that's their thing, and they resent others intruding on a territory that they very much made their own. In the meantime, we, like the Tories, simply have to wait it out. Challenge their performative outrage claptrap, certainly, but remember that in many cases it's just a desperate attempt to woo the more salvageable end of the fascist nutcake market and is unlikely to have any real substance. Or take comfort from the fact uh, that uh, those who are sincere about it, the true zealots, will accomplish nothing but fracturing the Conservative Party even further, thus splitting the vote between whichever cobbled-together new Conservative coalition they might dream up between now and next year, and the other more established grift-that-keeps-on-grifting groups. As usual, it's not much. But while the Overton window might seem to be shifting ever more to the right, we're not quite so close to Nazi-geddon as even the most depressing Twitter scroll might lead one to believe. Maybe we're not, anyway. Right, oh, I'm off to write a stern, handwritten letter to Keir Starmer, warning him not to be such a febile post-Blairite shitfucker. So Arkham and I will love you and leave you for another week. Hang about for the song at the end, and we'll uh, meet you back here at the happy place next Friday. Until then, please remember to uh, subscribe to and share Discontent Provider at any and all opportunities. The funeral of a loved one. That's a good place to do it, I believe. People like to be cheered up, and some of, uh, some of the songs are rather jaunty, and Arkham is a heart-gladdeningly handsome lad. All views expressed herein are, but of course, simply those of an old folky and should be used for entertainment purposes only. Facts and figures, when used, are checked to the best of my abilities, and should you feel like a natter, you can follow Discontent Provider on the Twitter, 
or email us at discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk. For now though, from the Silver Fox and the Black and White Dog, cheerio. How do I'm Lee, I'm your local MP Plain speaking but we're lofty ideals I'm a principled saviour like I was when I was labour And I know a bit about making cheap meals The lefties and the walkers are all coming to get you Don't you worry duck, I'm here to protect you If you're sick of gobshats crying about human rights Stick with me and you're gonna be fine I'm here to prove to them soft southern poofs That a working lad deserves a fair chance Britain's gone to the dogs, so I'm telling them wogs that they can fuck off right back to France. Have the moral authority of the silent majority, so I'll say what I bloody well like. I'm an ordinary bloke, I like a good racist joke, and I couldn't care less if you don't. I'm here to tell you it's great we left the EU, and you might want to rejoin, but we won't. I won't go near any trannies or queers Not cos I'm repressed or living in fears It's cos they're probably pedos or something much, much worse When I ask me mates to go on the town Just lately they're all really busy I've been barred for six boozers cos I'm round with some losers But don't ask me why, it's a mystery So I'm drinking at home, getting pissed all alone But everyone agrees with me! Go broke, they'll love that joke, but Barbie is still topping the charts. How they hate their youngest just because they dare to hunger for a world not made by dreary old farts. They laughed at their folks raging at the times they were a-changing, oh, how could they have forgotten that so damn soon? Despite the far-right con, time goes marching on and the worldview crumbles away. To hear them tell it, they're not few lost relics and the world will see sense someday. They're the masses, they're the people, a righteous army fighting evil, but they will soon be dead, so who cares? <laughs>